welcome to Fit Story TV, the only platform that is focused on storytelling for fitness experts. Our mission with this podcast is to empower you to harness your vulnerability and lead with your story. If this is your first time listening, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. Yo, Fit Story fam, what is going on? I am back for another episode and today uh, I have a guest and it's someone that I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, already prior to this conversation being recorded. Um, and all I can say is that when it comes to stories, when it comes to listening to a really powerful story, you guys are in for a treat. Now, before we do get moving, um, I just want to do an update because I know things have been a bit quiet lately, especially with the podcast. And I think the last episode that was actually recorded and released was the final episode of series two. Uh, And now as we venture into series three, I have the goal of becoming more consistent and reaching more people. Now, you notice how I say that I'm taking responsibility. Podcasting is about being consistent. It's about showing up for your listeners. It's about showing up for your audience. And it's about delivering value and experiences. And that's something that I haven't done over the past few months. So my mission to move forward with the podcast is just to make sure that you guys are hearing more of my voice. So if that annoys you, then you probably <laughs> want to like unsubscribe or uh, switch off because uh, I've got plans to just come back uh, swinging, um, which is a, a word that I'm sure we're going to hear a few times in today's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so uh the podcast itself has been listened to in over 13 countries already i've had thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads and uh, even though i've been away for a minute i have been busy i've not just been you know in lockdown doing nothing eating dominoes and cookies i've been busy um and just to give you guys like a, a, a a real brief summary of what that looks like some of you guys already know but i left the coaching space back in february 2020 um took on a new business in march 2020 balls deep in covid what a time to, to set up a business <laughs> during a pandemic especially in the hospitality sector um since then uh been going um managed to throw out a few podcast episodes um here and there really uh but recently i've just re-entered the coaching space uh, I just managed to actually chat with Billy a, a few moments ago about that. Uh, and I'm sure that we'll kind of dive into a little bit of uh, that during the episode. But um, my coaching now is going to be solely focused around helping fitness professionals scale their personal and business growth with the Fit Story formula. So it's things that I did before, but I've just revamped the program and uh, I'm really excited to be sharing that with some people. And the most recent news, I just had twin girls. Hey. just had twin girls like <laughs> wow so things are going to get busy but like i said you know i take responsibility for being away from this and you know my mission is just to get back there be consistent and um you know start sharing people's stories that's the the whole reason why i'm here today so i want to welcome former british commonwealth european lightweight boxer former ibo world lightweight champion of the world turned successful coach mentor entrepreneur billy schwer 
and we are going to have an epic conversation. It's going to be wild. Like I said, I've had the pleasure of hearing this story already. That's why I was excited to get this guest on. And when I say like, if you don't know Billy, if you don't know him yet, you're about to get to know him. And I think we should just start with diving right in so we can hear all about the guts and glory of your fit story, bro. And when I say the guts and glory, I literally mean it because um, you've taken some shots. The blood, the blood, <laughs> the blood, the sweat, the tears. Let's get ready to rumble. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So to think that you had uh, and this is like, obviously, I've done a bit of digging. I do digging all the time on guests. Um, but to think that you had your first professional fight back in October 1990. Yes, and I was, many months ago. I was born in january 1990 wow yeah yeah um and it was strange like you know we were chatting the other day right on whatsapp and um and you would you were saying like bro you're an old soul (laughs) yeah that's 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 what i get from you yeah yeah a few people have said that so i want to dive into your story but i want to go way back right because um, we don't just want to start it where you became a professional boxer when you had your first fight. I want to go back. I want to yeah. imagine ourselves stepping into um, a DeLorean, right? Shutting the doors and firing back into into time and space and back to a time when you were first growing up. So if you could just tell us, uh, you know, and just let, you know, just tell us what life was like for you when you were growing up, when you were a kid, where did you grow up? How was it? I'm born and bred in Luton in Bedfordshire and I get asked this all the time how how did you get into boxing how did that happen and that's talk about stories it's like let's have an experience because that's where the magic's at is in the experience so that's how we learn right we learn for experiences so the the fascinating thing about why I become a boxer because that I love to ask people and I just fascinated by the the why do we do what we do? How did we end up the way we ended up? And what the body you've got, the life you've got, the success you do or don't have. Why is that? What is that about? And so Billy the Boxer, how did Billy the Boxer get created? How did the Billy the Boxer that used to step into the ring as a professional who was willing to sacrifice his life to win a championship? Where, where does that come from? Because boxing for me as a professional was kill or be killed. It was life or death. That was my experience of life. And it was really intense. And it goes way, way back to when I'm five years of age. I'm in my mum and dad's front room with my two older sisters, Mandy and Lisa. Lisa's eight and Mandy's 11. And we are rolling around the floor and they're beating me up again. Now, what they used to do, they used to pin me to the floor. Now, we've all done this. If you've got any brothers or sisters... Pinned to the floor. I've got one sitting on my chest and one's got my arms pinned back, right? I feel you, yeah. (laughs) Kicking and screaming and fighting. I I just couldn't fight them off. I used to get so upset I would hyperventilate and turn blue. I thought that I was going to die. It was like, (gasps) now what they used to do, they both had beautiful long blonde hair. So as I'm pinned to the floor, they wave their hair in my face back and forth. 
and they sing to me a song. Now, this song is an old paper lay song, which you wouldn't have heard because you're far too young. It's called <laughs> Billy, Billy, Don't Be a Hero. So they used to sing this song to me as I'm pinned to the floor, kicking and screaming. And it went like this. Billy, don't be a hero. Don't be a fool with your life. And, I, and here's the funny thing. So what happened in that moment? I, I, I decided that no one was ever going to beat me, dominate me, hurt me, or get on top of me ever again, especially women. <laughs> ask, ask my ex-wife. She'll tell you. But in that very same moment, I decided that I was weak. So I had to find a way to cover up, survive being weak. And that song, Billy, Don't Be a Hero, I spent all my life trying to be a hero, trying mm. to be a champion of the world. So when I decided I was weak, I just had to find a way, yeah, to prove I wasn't weak. And then I found boxing. Boxing found me. And it was perfect. It was a perfect scenario, a perfect storm for what somebody. Age? What I age was, eight, was that? Eight. So I was five. That, that experience happened when I was five. And I can remember it so clearly, so clearly. And then I found boxing when I was eight. But I didn't find it because my dad was a boxer. Mm. So my dad... I used to go up into the loft, you know, the old black and white boxing pictures, beautiful, didn't they? I used to see them. He had his old boxing boots, the old leather boots and the old horsehair boxing gloves. I used to see them. And it's kind of, so I kind of, that was in the background. I didn't really know what it was. I was a kid. But mm. then at eight years of age, I asked my dad to take me down to the gym and he took me down to the gym. And that was my thing. And I was good at it. So that was, that was my outlet, my way to express myself because trying to prove I'm not weak. I could get into the ring and that I could, ex I could express myself and I was good at it. Yeah. So I had my first, I had my first contest when I was 11 and that Should was the say start you, for me. You had a, a natural talent for it. I, I wouldn't say that. No, I, I worked really hard. I'm mm. so persistent, so courageous, so determined. I was more I of get that. that from you. Yeah. So I was yeah. driven by, cause I was moving away from, the move away from motivator of being weak to trying to prove I'm not weak. So that was a very powerful motivator for me. But also when I was 11 years of age, my third amateur boxing fight, I was boxing in a, back in the day, this is 30 odd years ago when people were allowed to smoke. It was a big black tie boxing dinner and a big venue. There was hundreds of guys there in their dinner suits, smoking cigars. <laughs> it was one of those events. And I'm boxing there, a little young kid, so I box three rounds. I go to the center of the ring and I'm waiting the decision. I box with a guy called Jason Meager, who's a, who's a mate of mine still. And I stand there and they go, ladies and gentlemen, the winner is Jason Meager. They put his hand up and I'm absolutely devastated. I'm in floods of tears. I'm bawling my eyes out. Now my dad's my coach. He's in my corner. He's trying to console me and I'm devastated. And again, I made another decision. I can remember this so clearly as well. I decided that I wasn't good enough. Mm. So there I am, 11 years of age. I'm weak and I'm not good enough. Those, that, that was the ingredients for me to become a world champion. So my whole life's been trying to prove I'm good enough. And that wow. was all unconscious. That was my driver for me to succeed. So then what happened was I had my... We, we enter international championships for 11, 12, 13. I'll become a national champion at 13. Now, if you kids and sport, and I was so very lucky and fortunate to have amazing parents who 
when you're in a national competition, you're traipsing up and down the country every weekend, going to tournaments. And so I was lucky that I, I could have that. And I become a national champion at 13. Wow. So then I, so then I realized, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm good at this. This is, this is my thing. But the funny thing that happened as I stepped up into the ring that night, right? So I, I got to the final and I was petrified. We, it was at the assembly rooms in Derby. And I remember we drove up there and I remember walking into the venue. And it's like the biggest place I've been in at the time. It's like huge. And I was petrified. I couldn't, didn't sleep the night before. I couldn't eat anything. I was an absolute wreck. Yeah. And, when it, and I can remember this so clearly. As I was about to step up into the ring, I'm 13. So you go to the gloving up table. They have a table. You go and put the gloves on. Then you step up into the ring. So they've got, they got all your... All the, everyone's in order. So I go, we go to the glove and up table and I'm, my dad's put the gloves on. And I remember looking at my dad and I said, I was petrified. I said, I said, dad, dad, I looked at him and I said, dad, dad, I can't do it. I can't do it. And my dad looks at me. He says, what do you mean you can't do it? This is the final, what do you mean? My dad's Irish, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, but Jesus, what do you mean you can't do it? And I looked at him and I said, dad, I'm going to be sick. I feel sick. I want, I want to be sick. And he looks at me, he clipped me around the back of the ear and he says, well, Jesus, so go and be sick then. So I ran off looking for somewhere to be sick and I found these big drapes. I went behind these curtains and I threw up. I was, I was actually physically sick. Wiped the sick from my mouth. I went back to see my dad, put the gloves on and I stepped up into the ring, a petrified young man, boxed mm. my heart out for three rounds and then I, they make the announcement and I was crowned a national champion. I won the championship. Boom. Boom. How did that, that feel? Oh, I nearly jumped. I got a picture of that moment, which is that that picture is just priceless. And it, I nearly leapt through the ceiling. I could have, I, could, I launched because <laughs> it was, um, it's such an amazing experience. And what I got from that moment, because that, that was pivotal for my life. I got, you know what? If I can find the courage to step up put myself at risk, be prepared to fail, I can succeed. So we can succeed if we, if we can find the courage, go inside, yeah, be willing to step up, be willing to put yourself at risk. We can succeed. And that's, that's and the message. Another metaphor for life, isn't it? It really, really is. And stepping up into the ring is it's a big, big task for, for anyone who does that. Yeah. And I think people, people can, you know, remove the word ring from that and the boxing and, and think about anything in their life where, you know, they're nervous to, to, to do it or, or scared to do it or have underlying fear, you know? Yeah. Um, so what well, do you I, think I look it was? At life, it's, life is the boxing ring of life. That's boxing is life. Boxing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What do you think it is that like, you know, the, the base level fear, what, why do you think this, how do you, why do you think so many people just never get that though and never do it? Because we were just talking before we went live and, you know, like we were saying about how you, you have to conquer your fears and you have to step up to the plate and you have to do those things. But there are many, many people that go their whole life without doing it. Yeah. Like, why do you think you, that is? You've got to want the result more than you want, more than a fear. And it's, I think people are really concerned about what people think of them, getting it wrong, looking stupid, mm. failing, fail, failure. What a great word. And people put so much onus on failure. It's like, I don't, 
failure's all right. It's good to fail. You got to fail your way to the top. I did. I failed. I failed so many times in every area of my life. I failed mm. everywhere, and that is one of the one of the things that had me become a champion, which has had me succeed in all areas of my life as well. Yeah, just that willingness, the courage. Yeah, I think we're just we're just fright, we're fearful. It's of- a it's a common theme, isn't it? Among everybody that's achieved something or, or had a, a you know a tremendous breakthrough in their life where they've succeeded eventually is a common theme that they've all experienced that they've all experienced hardship and and negativity and the fear of failure they've every single person's gone through it which is why sometimes i find it funny that people kind of create this narrative in their head that they are might be the only one who don't <laughs> you know like they can <laughs> like they can just step up like they can just yeah. get their goals straight away you know um because i often do think that and if i look back even at my life and all of the adversity that i've faced we were saying that's exactly why I've made it here now. That's why I'm able to do this podcast now. Why I don't need to go to a nine to five now. Why I can live life on my terms to a degree. You know, it's because I fucking experienced what I experienced. I went through what I went through. And same for you. You've got a book right behind you there, Man Up. And I know this is a book that you've written recently. And that book would not never have been written. No. If you if you had just not done it, not not stepped up to the plate, not got in the ring. Not, not faced failed. Fears, not, not failed. failed. Not had my nose broken God knows how many times. Not had countless amounts of stitches in this face. It wouldn't be there. Yeah. And you think of the ripple effect that it's had. I mean, what I tend to do with my clients when we're talking about them sharing their story, because sharing their story publicly is something that gives people a lot of fear. Like people, there's shame attached to our stories. Yes, there's yes. guilt attached to our stories. Yeah. yeah. So I have this conversation with with clients and, you know, there's this this thing of like you you have to be able to you have to be able to do it yeah. because when you do it, there's a ripple effect. It goes on to help so many people. So if we look at Billy now and I mean, you're a successful coach and entrepreneur now and you know, you've helped you know, countless men break through and achieve goals in lives. But you would have never have been able to do that should you have just never done it for yourself, never, never yeah. failed. And it's, it's that being vulnerable, that bit. And through sharing, and I, everyone, I'm the same. So all, it's all about sharing. There's so mm. much power in sharing. And we, we, we don't realize how powerful that is. And you mentioned the ripple effect and what that can cause for another. I mean, I'm doing it all the time. Getting, getting guys to share themselves more often, consistently, and the, the impact that it has on others, so that it then it feeds right back to them. They feel great, mm. and it, but it, it's counterintuitive for us because we feel a bit stupid about. And I did as well when I before I did. I I, I never used to share myself. Can you imagine as a boxer? I'm trained and conditioned not to show any emotions or feel anything. Yeah, I'm like a I'm like stone. So sharing and being vulnerable just was so alien to me mm. until until I until I found the courage and it was I was in a training one day and this was 2003 this was my when I started my transformation from Billy the boxer to being who I am right now and that was a trend a huge transformation that I started in 2000 I'll never forget it again these pivotal moments that we have in our lives they're, they're never to be forgotten you could they're vivid they're vivid mm. memories but you got to go and do the work to look back and discover because they're covered we got to reveal themselves to us um, to ourselves. Yeah. 
Mm. And then as you like get then share those from that place. So that, that takes a bit of work, takes a bit of figuring out. And what did happen? What did I make that mean? Is that the truth? What is the truth? What, what happened? And it's um I did a program called the Landmark Forum in two, August of 2003. Now I don't remember many dates. I remember my birth date. I can't remember any, my, many other dates, but I remember that one, August yeah. of 2003. That's etched in my brain. I did this three-day training called the Landmark Forum. I remember sitting in the room. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't really know what was happening. 100 odd, 100, about 150 odd people there, a leader at the front of the room. The leader just, comes out. Just so people do know, because there's a, a people that won't know what Landmark Forum is. Um, it's it, like, think of it. Was it Werner Ed, Ed, Edhart? Werner Erhard, yes. That's the guy, yeah. Yes. So, um, uh, and I've recently learned of him through uh, for a mutual friend of ours. But uh, I'd heard of Landmark Forum before that. But for anyone that doesn't know what it is, think of like what you know a Tony Robbins event is now, like a personal development event. That's best way to summarize it. That's it. You got it. Yeah, it's a it's a training, three day training. And what I loved about it because. I'm dyslexic, didn't get on very well at school. There was no reading, no writing. It was just sitting in the room, having a conversation for three days about what it is to be a human being. Ontological, ontology, the study of ontologies, which is the study of the art and science of being. So the conversations is about all about who are you being in life? And it's really confronting because you get to really see yourself. And in that, in that three days, that was my first experience because I did, because what the leader will ask people to put their hands up. Who wants to come and share? So I didn't do any of that. But what happened was he posed a question into the room and he, and I, and he pulled me out of the room. So I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't willing, but he pulled me out and he, he got me up to the microphone at the front of the room and he kind of battered me. But he didn't really. He was just, he was seeing through me and and I, I, I can, I, what an experience! I just got that experience, and that weekend, I, I, would, I left the building never ever to be the same again. It mm. rocked my world. What that gave me—that was the—that and that was the start of, that was the genesis of what I'm doing now. And mm. I've done lots of their work since. I love that. I just love the, the education. I love that world of that. And that just gave me, and it was an experience. And that, what I loved about that, it was an experiential learning, which is what I do with my guys. Is yeah, it's the twelve round Billy Schwer experience. So, what, what do you think was the specific uh, catalyst there? The specific catalyst to change for you, if you could kind of scope in on that. What do you think it was that caused the break? Like, what was the breakthrough? And yeah. then what was the specific catalyst to change? Yeah. So, what what the cause was. The past that I was, I was being a victim of my life and my situation and my circumstances. Cause I went to the landmark forum two years into my retirement from being a professional boxer. Gotcha. So those two years were the worst two years of my life. I suffered. I was in trouble. I had a real tough time. I was two different uh, worlds, isn't it? Completely. So I'd lost my world title. Then I had an identity crisis depression i wrecked my marriage which ended up in divorce i was on my way to becoming bankrupt i eventually went bankrupt had my home repossessed i had no money i had nothing and i had no future and i felt like a complete failure i was ashamed and i had a mental breakdown mm. suicidal thoughts i was just there i was suffering and it was two years of that 
I eventually found the courage to reach out, got help, got a coach, went and did the landmark forum, and that was the start for me. And what I really got was I got I got present and I got responsible for my future. Because when we say your future is your responsibility, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, we get that. I know that. But I got it like it hit me like a ton of bricks, mm. but very differently. So my experience of that was different. So then what happened was in that moment, the future started to occur different because the future that I was living into was depression, was no money, was no future, was breaking everything, was just, there was no, I had no future. So what the Landmark Forum allowed you to do is the future that's generally in your, the past is in your future. So the past, your past experiences of yourself, the story that I had about myself, I was not good enough, I was a failure, I was ashamed of that, was in the future. That's what I was living into. The Landmark Forum, but their technology and what they do is they allow the the past that's in your future to be placed back into the past where it belongs. Mm. So then a, a new future arises, not based upon the past. Mm. So then the, the you're about the future that we're living into. It's all about the future that you're living into. So what I, I call that you're only as good as your next fight because you're only as good as that future that you're creating, designing, living into. It's not based upon the past. So whatever past you've had, as you've experienced, it's not the future. It ain't the future. So you got an opportunity to, once you get that, then you go, oh, okay, then. So yeah. what, what is the future then? Oh, and let's no matter, Yeah. And no matter what story you create, like you said, you created this narrative in your head about your future. It's not fucking real. It's not real. It's all made up. It's, it's all, made, all up. made up. It's all made up, man. So you might as well make something else up. <laughs> And the best way, the best way to predict the future is to create it, is to invent the future. Absolutely. But you can't do that. It's very difficult to do that. As you've experienced, when when I when I was going through my depressive episodes and stuff, it's very difficult to get into a creative space. Mm. You're in a different kind of state. You're in survival. And it's hard to create something from that place, I found. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. When I'm saying I went through counselling when I was younger, I felt like the reason why I couldn't shift forward and I couldn't change my identity yeah. and I couldn't change my story is because all they wanted to do was focus on the past. That's it. And there is no creation there. How can no. you create anything that's already happened? We just get stuck it's in fucking it. Fucking impossible. You yeah, get it's stuck like in it. <laughs> sticky mud and you just can't see a way out. Um, So let's like, again, uncover some of this. Let's dig a bit deeper into that. So what did it take internally for you at the point of where your life, you felt this is just it. This is, yeah. I'm fucking done. What did yeah. it take internally for you to flip the switch and to reach out? and to get that help, to find the coach, to do the work? What was it specifically inside that, 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 that flipped okay. for you? I, you, you know, there's a cliche, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, I was, I was there and I, was, I kept saying that to myself every day. I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. What, what's, the, what's going on? And it was, in, it was around that time, that was when I kind of, I thought enough, enough. There's a point, there's a point of enough. And whatever that is for, for us all, there's just a point I've got, all right, enough, enough. Mm. And I was, yeah, you know, I'd suffered enough and I was complaining about it to myself. And I was just being a victim of my situation and what I'd done because mm. I'm at the effect of it. There's no creative thing there at all. I'm just being at the effect of my life. 
and I'd caused it all. I'd mm. caused all the chaos, all the everything. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't radical I didn't, responsibility, man. That's it, and it's being responsible. That's the bit there. Being responsible, you are responsible for the future that you're living into, the yeah. future that you're creating. That's it. Yeah, and like you were responsible for the past, you know. So yeah. like this thing of, of victim mentality is is where we, you know, and unless you have have got, unless you have got, uh, unless you accept what's happened, you can't move forward from it. And I think that if I look at my story and I, I think, well, I was just stuck as a victim for so many years, I had to become self-aware of it to the point where I had to accept it. And it was only then I, I was like, it, this isn't anyone else's fault. This, is, this isn't, this isn't, life isn't fucking out to get me. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on, Matt, you ain't that important, bro. Yeah. Come on. You know, sometimes we like to think that like everything's out to get us or everything's happening to us. But there's a yes. point where when you take the when you accept what's happened and you and you become self-aware of where you're at, it's then that you can actually change the situation. You can change the story. And it sounds to me like that's what happened. Like you went through this period of time where yeah. it was just victim mentality and then you accepted. Well, we, some right. of us what happens is but we quite like being a victim oh, absolutely we oh, kind yeah. of wallow in that and we love to complain about it moan about it yeah. bitch about it we love it it's, let's be honest it's fucking easier <laughs> to do that as well than it is to change anything it really right? is it really is it's, it's, it's a challenge out there mm. i know i know people who are stuck in their identities stuck in being addicts stuck to their being that victim they just they love it and it's it's like you got to choose it's like life or death choose life yeah. or choose where are you going i think this yeah, is why difficult. stories are so important because when we actually dive into our story we're able to then identify our core wound and i say core wound this is a, a, a good friend of mine jacob kaufman he's a phenomenal coach um he owns something called the conscious coach experience and he's all about the 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 identity shift that we go through and in order to go through that shift we have to identify the core wound because every single time there is a core wound there may be several things that have happened to us there may be you know hundreds of things that have happened to us but what is the core wound like what is the yeah. thing that keeps drawing you back what is the thing that's so deeply ingrained in you that keeps you stuck where you're at yeah. and that's why storytelling is so important because like you said a minute ago for you to lay out your story in front of you is for you to see it. But if you don't do that, if you don't start journaling or writing it down or, or, or at least come into some type of place where you're comfortable to share just something about yourself with others and become vulnerable, you may never be able to identify that core wound. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. You just may never be able to identify it. And we, we, we like to cover that up. We keep it hidden. Our ego will keep it hidden so we don't have to deal with it. But then something will have happened, like you say, but it might take a bit of digging around to really discover the the incident that happened. Like the incident that had me become Billy the Boxer was when I was five. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have found I wouldn't have found that if I didn't do the deep work that I've done on myself. Mm. I wouldn't have discovered that that decision I made when I was eleven about losing that amateur boxing fight. I wouldn't have discovered that. And they can see, oh yeah, I had a story that that and that drove that, and then oh, I can see that now. So then, what that enables, yeah, yeah. So then, you but stories give you an access to a different future because discovering my stories, then rather than being used by the story, I'm now using it, yeah, 
rather than being the victim of the story, I was weak, I wasn't good enough, I then turn it around and I'm used, I can use it. And I'm still using it today because it's still present for me to be good enough, mm, accepted, absolutely. accepted, yeah. good enough, loved, all of those things that we all want. But it's like using, yes, it's a, the dynamic shifted. I'm the cause of that rather than being a victim of it and at the mm. effect of it. And that's, that's, so then my experience of my life has shifted the experience mm. of me. I've, sh I've completely shifted because I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happier, more fulfilled and satisfied, Matt, right now than I've ever been ever, ever. Mm. I've never felt better now than right now today yeah. talking to you honestly mate i've never felt any better ever in my Amazing. life yeah and i'm 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 10 out of 10 i'm living a 10 out of 10 my experience of life listen i'm not perfect my life ain't perfect but i'm 10 out of 10 and that's i've created and generated it and i do that on a daily basis because i've figured it out mm. what it's not what is it and what it's not what works, mm. what doesn't work. I've grappled and wrestled with it for a couple of decades trying to figure it out when I started my journey. What is yeah. it? What is that then? Yeah. Well, I know what I know what I know what it's not. It's not <laughs> I know it's not toxic and I'm being toxic. I mean I've been in lots of toxic relationships. And I'm, I'm toxic. I'm the one who's causing it all. Absolutely. Get yeah. sort your shit out, mate. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Bro, I want to skip back. I want to go back because I, I was uh, I was digging my teeth into the part where you had uh, jumped out the ceiling uh, at the it was at the assemb assembly assembly in rooms, assembly in, Derby. rooms yeah. in Derby. Yes. So back to where you're 13 years old, you win your yeah. national title. Um, what happens next? How do you move forward from there? Um, oh, what does a, that do for you? What What did you tell your sisters? <laughs> <laughs> here's the funny thing, right? So that. So I won, I become a national champion on the Saturday, go back to school on the Monday in assembly, hundreds of kids in the, in the assembly hall, the headmaster gets up on the stage, start doing his thing. Nobody's listening as you do. And we're all sitting there. And then he makes the announcement. He starts talking about me and he goes, yeah, we're Billy's become a national champion over the weekend. And he goes, stand up, Billy. So I'm, and I go, oh shit. So I stand up and I remember looking around and I'm looking around going, oh shit, I don't, I don't fit in here. I, I felt like, so I felt like I don't belong. I'm different. I don't fit in. I'm a little bit off the know. There's something, I just didn't feel right. And in that, cause I remember also in that moment, that's what I decided. I don't fit in. I'm a bit weird. I'm a little bit different. Cause as a kid, People, the guys I used to hang about with, they were smoking big cans of, they were smoking and drinking cans of beer behind the bike sheds. They were, they were doing that kind of stuff. But I was in the gym training like a lunatic because mm. I was driven to become a champion and I was a champion. Mm. So I felt like I didn't fit in. So then what I did was my, I, I went inside and thought, listen, I need to fit in again. So I, I figured out a way of becoming very charming and charismatic. So then I could fit back in with people because I'm a I'm an introvert more than an extrovert. I like I like to spend a lot of time on my own. I'm separate. I'm very I'm, I'm OK with that. But that's the reason why I've become a, a professional speaker. So I when I when I separate myself for a period of time, I need human contact. I need to connect again. So then I do that through speaking at events or, or the coaching stuff that I'm doing, because yeah. that's that was my. That was a big discovery for myself as again, I was 13. Yeah. 
And I went back to my school and spoke there as um, later on. And I, I had a tour around the school and I walked into a classroom and I, I could feel, I'm very into energy. And I walked into a classroom and I felt the energy in the room of something happened to me in this room when I was 13, 14, 15. And it was, it was quite amazing. So then I had to figure out how to, yeah, how to fit back in with people. And that's, that's what, that's what I did as a yeah, hey, 13, 14, 15 year old. You, you know, I think that's incredible because at, at that age, like the, well, even now, um, the number one fear in the world, I'm pretty sure up until COVID hit, because now that's <laughs> obviously fucking people are scared at their wits of it over that shit. But <laughs> the number one fear in the world is public speaking. So they say, yeah. 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 So they say. So for you to for you to kind of uh, be put in that situation is 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 and then you know to be able to you know stick yeah. stick to your knitting and pull through it is incredible. But I've got a question around them um, because you mentioned about like there were people you know smoking, drinking around the bike yeah. sheds, doing all the, the stuff it. that teenagers and that do. <laughs> yeah. But what do you like? How did you at that point stay focused on your goals without being pulled into the shit around you? Because I think that that's something that even now, whether you were 13 or 34 or whether someone's listening now at 16 or 66, everyone feels the pressures of the external. So, and a lot of the times we allow that pressure of the external to get in and it to come into our internal dialogue and change how we're seeing ourselves, what we're saying about ourselves. We shift that. And then all of a sudden we're now doing things that we don't want to be doing because there's these external pressures. So what 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 t- sort of tips do you have based on your story of how you stay focused on your goals when you had all of that happening yeah, around you, you? you? Maybe you don't want it bad enough. You gotta mm. want it bad. You gotta have a desire, desire. You gotta have a burning desire. So if you've got a burning desire, then you'll do whatever's required for you to fulfill on it. So people, people say they want stuff, but I don't know, you know. Why, don't, why aren't you doing it? Why haven't you got it? What? Where's the heart? Where are you? you? If you're not showing up to do what you need to do to get what you want, then maybe you don't really want it. You, we talk about it, but then that's just, that's more, you end up being a victim again of not, not really fulfilling it. So desire, Fucking desire fire, is so, it's so, so powerful. Desire is the starting point of all achievement. It's the first mm. principle of success, knowing what you want. Now, loads of people know what they don't want. And that's where sometimes we focus. Like you talked about focusing on the past. We dwell in the past, some of us. Stop that. Don't even focus on the now. Because if you focus on the now and you haven't got what you want, you guess what? You're going to get more of what you don't want. Yeah. Because we, you get energy goes where focus goes, right? Where you place mm-hmm. your focus, your energy will flow. So if you haven't got what you want, don't then don't dwell in that either. We've got to get, we have to get into the future. We have to design the future. We have to fantasize, dream about the future that we want for ourselves. And then mm. we got to pull that future towards us and live into that and be courageous and fight for it. You got to fight for it because you ain't going to get it easy. It ain't going to be easy. If it's easy, you'd have done it already. Yeah. I remember going through, uh, I'd done a bodybuilding show a um, few, few, four, four, five. Oh, actually, it would have been a bit longer than now because it was uh, around when uh, before Millie was born. So probably five years ago, wow. six years ago. And what did, you um, weigh, what did you weigh then? Oh, I was about 80 when I stepped on stage, 80 kilos. I'll show you some pictures as well. Yeah. After this, you'll see. Um, what do you weigh but, now? Uh, probably around the same now. Do you? But uh, just not as dense. Yeah. <laughs> I had, I'll show you the pictures. You'll be sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, 
But I remember when I was talking to my mentor at the time, Mark Raymond Manklo, and it was one of the things that he said, it was so powerful and so profound and it stuck with me. It sticks with me today. Focus on what you do want, not what you don't. Because when Billy said that, it ain't no joke. If you, if you focus on stuff around you that isn't relevant to your goals, if you give time or energy to anything that you don't fucking want, you will get it. It's how it works. You get what you think about. You Absolutely. get what you talk about. Don't gossip that shit either. If you're a gossip talking about what you don't have or don't like or don't want, you're going to get more of it. So don't be a victim of it. I mean, what's difficult for people, what was difficult for me was doing it from a place where I did, because I'll, every, when you do that, when you focus on what you just want, everyone around you is going to tell you you're selfish. Everyone around you is going to tell you that you're just out for yourself. And uh, another lesson that he taught me was the, the difference between uh, self-interest and being selfish. Now, everyone around you may call you selfish. Everyone may say, if you're trying to build your business now and you're focused on what you want, not on what you don't, and you're trying to build your business, you're trying to hustle, you grind, and you're getting your shit done every day, and your partner or your mum or your dad or someone around you is, or your friends, oh, you know, they're trying, to, they're trying to make you feel like you're selfish. You have to understand that there's nothing wrong with having a high level of self-interest. Absolutely. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it's the interesting thing, again, let's go back to stories. So those people that you mentioned that might not be supporting you, maybe you haven't shared in a certain way that a story it is yeah. to give them an access to the future that you're trying to create for yourself. Because first and foremost, you've got to look after number one. You've got to mm. do it for yourself. But then the impact of you doing it for yourself will impact those people close to you. And you've got, to, you've got to create a dream team around you. And you have to be careful who you pick to share those, this stuff with because not everyone's going to be suitable because not everyone's going to have your back or not everyone's going to be in your corner fighting alongside you, with you and for you. Absolutely. So you have, to be, you have to manage those people. But, and if you can share yourself authentically what you're up to and why you're, up, why, why you're doing it and it will impact them, they might then shift their, yeah. their perception of what you're doing and... I and agree. It takes, Most it, people just don't communicate their goals effect, effectively to other people. And if you don't do that, they're not going to think you're taking it seriously. And therefore, and to be honest, like it was for me, the reason why no one really listened until I got out there and did it was because I'd said I'd do it so many times before and I never did. That's it. <laughs> Literally. That's it. Oh, here he goes again. Here he goes again. Look, he's full yeah. of shit again. Look, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Yeah, that, that's that's true. Yeah, that's it. And you and that is what will happen. You know. So if you've said several times already, oh, I'm gonna, you know, build yeah. my business. But you've said that shit already. It's getting old. You need to get yeah. on and build the fucking business. And to I do that, you need to focus on what you want and not what you don't. And those people, what you should go and do is request their support create a story that really enrolls them into what you're up to and include them in it. So listen, I'd love your support. I know I've said this before. I want to do this and I don't know how to do it. And could, can you help me out? I don't want any, I just want your love and support to just help me along the path and mm. request it. Would you do that for me? Okay. And then share your journey with them. Cause then we, we're together. We are stronger mm. and we can get to the destination a lot easier. If we've got, team without team the dream don't work as simple Absolutely. as that 
So therefore, sometimes it's simply just having the conversation and communicating your goals effectively to those people around you Uh, and anyone else that just even if, you know, outside of that, that is still trying to infiltrate uh, and, and, you know, shut them down. Yeah. Shut them down, cut them off. So let's, let's take you back when you were like 13, 14, 15, who was supporting you through your boxing career at that point? My dad, my dad, my parents, I, I was so lucky. I had great parents, great family, great upbringing. I was supported. I was very, very fortunate to have a good, a good, um, good team around me. They were amazing, amazing. I mean, my dad, my dad would go and do a full day's graft. He had his own business. He was a welder. So then he would he would come home from work, sit down, and I'll be straight up to him, go, Dad, Dad, come on, come on, take me down to the gym. <laughs> then he would have to, he would have a, an hour, have a cup of tea, have his have his jam and a bit of jab, bread and jam, and then uh, go take me down the gym, and we'd be in the gym all night. And he he was doing that three, four times a week. So they he gave they gave themselves to me and my my life mission and your dreams man yeah and my dreams are, yeah there's that's because so i got i got to be thankful for them what i think is so powerful from listening to your story before on the webinar was how many times you got beat and how many times you came back but to add to that those those people were there for you you know you chose the, the right through. people you had the right people you had the right network um and, and let's dive into some of that now let's talk about the losses because the losses is what made you a winner eventually if yes. you hadn't experienced the losses, you never would have won. So, and I remember from listening to the uh, webinar, like you lost a lot of times and a lot of times when you <laughs> wanted to win, you still lost. So talk about some of those and how the journey became for you to become ultimately a professional boxer. And then from a professional over to what becoming, you know, what is the former IBO world, uh, like well, a weight of the world. So, yeah, yeah. So, so we go back to then, when I'm 13, become a national champion. So then I, I'm on the road now. So I'm, I'm, I'm good at it. So I'm, and I've always been in the top five or so in the country. Then my dream was to be ranked in the top 10 in the world. As a kid, I thought the boxing magazines, we get boxing monthly or boxing news. They would, they would put their rankings out on the page. And I want to see my name in the top 10 in the world. It's like, wow, I'd love to do that. So then I obviously achieved that. But then, so 13, 14, I got, I got picked a box for England. So I traveled all around. I kind of traveled around with different countries representing England, which was a, such a proud thing to do. To, to put an England vest on and represent your country was, oh, that was a dream come true. So then I boxed as an amateur, yeah, for 10 or so years. Then at 21, I got to, so my last kind of fight as an amateur was the ABA finals. I got beat in the finals, which is a split decision. It was like, oh, this could have been either way. Then I didn't get picked to go to the Commonwealth Games, and I was so disappointed. I was gutted. And I can remember that as well. Yeah, just when my dad got the phone call, was waiting for the phone call to see where he was going to go to the Commonwealth Games. And we got the phone call. I remember being in my mum and dad's front room, and we got the phone call. My dad took the call. And he goes, no, we ain't, we ain't, it ain't happening. And I was devastated, devastated. So then... um. At 21, decided to turn pro, turn pro. And that was my first fight you mentioned earlier in 1990. I boxed a French guy called Pierre Coden at the, the, the heart of British boxing, the home of British boxing at the, at the York Hall in Bethnal Green. Yes. And that, that was the start of it. Amazing. Bro, yeah. amazing. 
And then how many uh, how many fights did you have professionally? So I had 45 professional fights. I thought fights. it was a lot, yeah. Yeah, 45, 139. I think I had 33 knockouts. And uh, and it was a journey, yeah. So my first, the first two years of my I had a great manager, Mickey Duff. So he was supporting us. He was guiding us. He was a great manager. I had a great team around me. So with Mickey become, I had Denny Mancini, who was my cuts man. I've had a few cuts and Denny Mancini saved my life on numerous <laughs> occasions. He, I used to cut a fair bit. So I had having Denny in my corner. So my dad was in my corner. So I had a Mickey Duff in my corner, Denny Mancini in my corner. My dad was in my corner. And my boxing trainer was a guy called Jack Lindsay from Luton. Now, yeah. Jack Lindsay, I used to call him Gentleman Jack because Jack was not your stereotypical boxing trainer. He was just a beautiful man. He passed away last year. And oh. he, so Gentleman Jack was, he never used to raise his voice. He was, he, he used to like opera. He used to paint and draw. He was softly spoken. He was just a beautiful man. So I had him as my, as my trainer, my professional boxing trainer. And he, he gave me all, he gave me everything. So that was the team, the dream team that I had. And they, we worked together and went right the way through and won the British, the Commonwealth, the European. And eventually we won the world championships. And um, it was a real roller coaster journey because I, I challenged for the British and Commonwealth title after two years. So two years into my career, I won the title, Royal Albert Hall. It was an, an epic contest. It was amazing. I was a young kid, 23 years of age. We had the whole of Luton there. And it was it was on sports night back in the day, and Harry Carpenter was the commentator, who's a famous commentator. If you if you're a bit older like us lot, and um, that was the start of it. So I become a national, I become the British and Commonwealth champion. I was a national champion. Then I lost it in my first defence. Then I regained it, and then that was it. Then we're off and running. It's a roller coaster ride from mm. then on in, and. Um, it was a case of working my way up the world rankings. And because I had good management, Mickey guided me. We got international contests. I was ranked in Europe because I was a British and Commonwealth champion. That moved me up the European rankings and then up the world rankings. I'm getting looked on, everyone's seeing what's going on. And eventually I get a shot at the world title. My first attempt at the world title, which was, we couldn't believe you couldn't make it up as a, as a fighter. It's a dream come true to fight in Las Vegas. The wow. fight capital of the world. Yeah. Incredible. Dad proud? Oh, so standing outside the MGM Grand, which is the biggest hotel in the world at the time. I remember looking up, there's a big display unit, 30 foot up in the air. My name was flashing in lights. Billy Schwer, Luton. But wow, Luton's on the map. Yes. In Las, Las Vegas. Wow. Incredible. And I was boxing a guy called... Rafael Ruelas, a Mexican guy, and Michael Buffer. Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. He was the <laughs> yeah. MC. So, so the fight started. Now, fights, titles are, are difficult to win, especially in Las Vegas. And it was an absolute battle. And I, but I wanted that title so bad. I gave it everything. You couldn't give it any more. And I was certain I was going to win. But about three or four hours in, disaster struck. It bang. I got a big cut over my eye, two inches long. So my cuts man, Denny Mancini, he was doing his work, stopping the flow of blood, patching me up so I could carry a boxing. So we go back out again, pushing and pushing and pushing, wanting to win the title. A couple of rounds later, disaster struck again. I got another cut over the other eye. So it's like a bloodbath. And eventually the referee comes over to the corner 
at the end, I think it's the end of the seventh round, and he looked at us at his a, a very famous referee called Mills Lane. And Mills Lane's his famous lyric that he used to say as he brings the fighters to the ring center before the start of the fight, he would the last thing he would say, he would say, Let's get it on. And that's <laughs> that's something that I just resonate with. Let's get it on. And that's life. And he came to the corner and he looked at us and he says to me, Kid. I'm going to give you one more round. So what he meant was you've got to go and knock him out this next round. That's what he meant. So, yeah. <laughs> so have you ever, have you ever felt under pressure to perform? And that's, so that was the that pressure was, the was on. Yeah. <laughs> so I came out, I came out and I gave it everything in that, that round, but I didn't knock him out. So they stopped the fight. So my dream was shattered. And I, I eventually had 70 stitches in my face plastic surgery over my yeah did all that recovered and then uh, that was that was one of the defeats that i'd suffered and that was my first world title challenge mm. which was unsuccessful so then we learned from the experience don't we yeah and it's about having an experience because an another thing is about experiencing we get knowledge we get we read books we go to university we go to school we get knowledge from wherever we're going to get it from but you've got to go and implement the knowledge to have the experience. So that's how you learn. Unless you're out there failing, mate, you ain't going to learn nothing. Yeah. And you've got to fail. You've got to suffer defeat. And it's, it ain't a bad thing. There's, it's okay. Cause that's an experience. And you gather, you gather your life experiences from those moments and you move forward a, a different person, a better person, I believe. Yeah. Failing is okay. It's part of the process. Um, giving up, however, is not, and and that's something that you you didn't do. You know, you came back, didn't you? So I came back. So I still had the dream. I have a dream. Yeah, I, dreams do come true. That's the thing to get. Mm. Dreams do come true. What do you want for yourself and your life is available. It really is possible. So back to the drawing board. Come back from Vegas. Allow my scars to heal get back to work, get back to it and get, obviously I was still, I was highly ranked in Europe, obviously having challenged for the world championship. So I got to be ranked number one in Europe. So I was the number one challenger. So the guy had to defend against me at some time. So eventually I had to go over to Spain, Northern Spain in Zaragoza and challenge for the European title. And this was an epic contest. It was voted a European title fight of the year. It was brutal. And we, it was it was in a, an Olympic stadium because when um, Spain had the Olympics over in Barcelona, it was one of the stadiums that was built for that. So I'm going, I go, in, I step into the arena and it's like you couldn't, it's like the noise and it was in his own backyard. Mm. So I take a little, a little following over there with me. So they're getting drowned out by all the Spaniards. And it was like, wow, the noise was it's like going into a cauldron. It's like walking into the amphitheater. It was amazing. So the fight started. It was a brutal contest. And I, it was, I was getting involved in a fight too much. And he was a good fighter. And I was getting, I was getting drawn into a battle. I'm a, I'm a good boxer. I could do a bit of both, but I wasn't boxing. I, I remember coming back to my corner after the ninth round. And my dad, he won me that fight that night. He says, he just had a go at me. He says, what? Just you're fighting him. Don't fight him. Box him. So I come out for the 10th round. And, um, I knocked him out in the 10th round. I caught, I, I boxed him, Dang. just opened him up and I knocked him out in the 10th round. It was like, wow, it's, it's, what an experience. You talk about when I, when I was 11, I nearly leapt through the roof. I did the same thing there. I just leapt. I couldn't believe it. 
So I was a European champion. I was crowned the European champion. So I incredible came back home, defended the European title three times, which again moved me up the world rankings. So that's the whole point is defend the European title, get get with the with the right management, you can get maneuvered into a world title shot. So because I was doing very well in Europe, I got ranked to be number one in the world. So looking into the, the I mentioned it earlier about looking at the the world rankings and I'm there, I'm there number one. I'm number one in the world. Like, wow, amazing. What a dream. Incredible, so got, man. So I get another shot of the world title, Wembley Arena. And uh, boxing, the very he's the very best. A guy called Stevie Johnson. He is brilliant, brilliant. So the fight starts and it's, he was so quick. I just couldn't catch him. He's like a million miles an hour. He's so fast and he was in and out. It was brilliant. Anyway, it goes to the full 12 rounds and barely able to stand at the end of the fight. I'm exhausted, awaiting the decision. Like, have I done enough? Have we did yeah. it? Ladies and gentlemen, the winner is Stevie Johnson. So I got, I got, I got defeated again. But there was a lot of controversy after this fight because he failed the drug test. Oh. And it was no wonder I couldn't catch him. He was so quick. He was like, <laughs> he was so quick. He was he was on something and he was on something. But the funny thing was, well, it ain't funny. I was I was absolutely devastated. But he got off on a technicality. So he was found to be over the limit of a banned substance, but he got off on a technicality. So he kept his title. I went back to Luton with more stitches in my face. Got I got elbowed in across the nose at some point. There was a big cut across my nose. And I was devastated. And what I learned from that was, so I've come up with a seven-step winning formula. And step number four, we did mention it earlier. You're only as good as your, you're only as good as your next fight. Yeah. So what I had to learn to do after that disappointment, that upset, now we've all experienced it just so close to achieving something or getting something or wanting something. We're so close and yet we're so far. We don't quite get it. We've got to leave the past in the past. That experience was an experience. Mm. Take the lessons, take the learning and take them into the future with you, but don't dwell or get stuck in that past. As we mentioned earlier, because I believe to produce world-class results, you've got to be powerful in the face of adversity setbacks and defeat because you're going to experience them if you're if you're in if you're in this game yeah it's inevitable if you're in this for a lot for the long game you're going to suffer those it's going to be blood sweat and tears it ain't going to be easy and it's a journey though and stuff's going to happen that's going to be out of your control like that was for me that was out of my control i couldn't do anything about mm. that mm. and there's going to be stuff that's in your control so the stuff that's in your control is the meaning you attach to those adverse things or the upsets the setbacks what meaning are you going to bring to that and that's the lesson and mm. then to move forward you got i learned to leave the past in the past and focus on the future and live into that future your hopes dreams desires put them in the future that's that's the place to live into mate what i really love about it is um you know i think that there's a huge amount of uh, self-reflection so when you tell your story there's there's no inconsistencies and it's just it's natural for you to say it and it's because you've you've obviously done a lot of self-reflection you've looked at your story oh, and you've looked man. at where you've been and you've looked at what you've gone through yeah. and i think that oh, that over. now it yeah and it's just it's just beaming from you like you you, you talk about your story and it's it's there like you haven't got to it's search real. for it it's there yeah so the work that you're doing with your people is so, so key and so important for them to get what I've gotten for myself. 
but I've only gotten my stories a way that I can share them. And I've done, I've done thousands and thousands of hours of work, reflecting, delving into, dismantling, taking myself to pieces to really, and listening to others doing the same. Mm. The trainings that I've done is just, I'm seeing it for myself. I'm seeing it in others. So I can really get clear of my story. And then my, as I share my story and how it impacts another and gives them an access to something. So in sharing that story, people, so hopefully you've got so, some lessons in there for you. Whoever's listening, there's value in that story that I share. And it's the, the, the takeaway. What is the takeaway? So have a look now for yourself. What have you gotten to take away from that story that I've just shared? There's value in there. So just have a think. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. yeah. And, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, resilient, powerful in the face of adversity, setbacks and defeat, because it ain't always going to go my way. No, it ain't. Yeah, I've got to overcome that, and it doesn't mean anything. It only means the, the meaning that I attach to it. It's neither good or bad, but the meaning that I give to it. And that's, that's what we got. And that's mm. what's to be left with. So then you go, oh, yeah, get something of value for yourself, the listener. Because that's what we want to do. We want to touch, move, and inspire people. So I found my life purpose is to inspire and empower people to live a life they love with passion, power, and purpose. And that's what I got in the Landmark Forum around that time. I got, I discovered that. That's, that's my life purpose is to give that away to people. Fucking but, love it, man. But first and foremost, I have to get it for myself. I have mm. to be living and breathing my work. Too many people are trying to skip that step. I think that's why we've ended up in the in the coaching space with so many people that, you know, ultimately shouldn't be there yet um, because they're trying to skip that step. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're, if you're looking for a coach, you've got to go and interview your coach. Really push them and test them. Have they, have they got what you want? Have they done what you've want? Are they, that's that's mm. the bit to really discover. But, and, and as a coach, the coaches that you're working with, you got to be, and, it's, and you can be, I'm, I'm bulletproof. I'm staunch about the work that I do because nobody can take it apart because it is my, it's my thing. Yeah. And this, and the work that I do has given me what I'm experiencing. That's why the Billy Schwer experience. If you want a piece of this experience, then let's have an experience together then. Cause you can have this if you want it, let's go and mm. do the work. Let's get yep. right down into the nitty gritty to the dark stuff. And let's go there. Mm. That's where the work's got to be done. And that's, that's the place to look and discover and it's discovering something anew from a new. I think that's the reason why I love that. You just said that because I think that's the reason why, or rather I know that's the reason why uh, I've managed to work with the clients I've worked with and not the people that I'm not supposed to work with because the, the people that have come to me have always said something similar. I'm working with you because I know you've been there. I'm working with you because I know that you experienced it. And how do they know that I experienced what it is that they're looking for? Because I shared it. Because I was able to step up and be vulnerable and, and, to, and to connect with people no matter what, no matter how I felt. And, and that's exactly what Billy's done. He's been where he says he's been. He's done what he says he's done. But there and is... The, and the future that I'm creating, the work that I get, is all coming from my story. Every mm -hmm. bit of work that I get is all coming off the back of the story that I'm sharing out there. 100%. In the world. So I want to um, 
I want to I wanna talk about when you finally did do it, bro. When you finally did do it. Let's dive well, into there's that. A, we got, let's, let's quickly, we got, there's another one. There's another, we, got, we don't miss one. We got, let's go back to it. So I failed twice. Adversity, setback, defeat. We got that. So then we go back to the drawing board. Again, get, I get another shot at the world title. World title challenge number three. Wembley Conference Center. Bloody, bloody, blah. 12 rounds. Epic contest. It was voted contest of the year by the British Boxing Board of Control. I've been involved in some real battles. And again, it, it goes to 12 rounds. And I'm standing at the center ring awaiting the decision. And I, I lose again. So I lost on a split decision. It could have went either way. It's so close. So that was three times I'd I'd lost and failed. And could have given the, up. Could yeah, have stopped. Well, that, that's that's the point. That's another point. Do you ever feel like giving up? Do you ever feel like giving up and stopping? And that's the bit. That's the bit. So I, I go, rather than giving up and stopping, I go, I go, I look at myself and go, oh, what do I need to do differently then? Something's something's not working or something's not that something's wrong something needs to change or something needs to shift let's have a look and what i needed to do i needed to move up a weight because as boxers like jockeys we're always dieting having to make the weight and i'm making the weight as a lightweight which is nine stone nine for around about 10 or so years was killing me it was draining me to make that weight so my last fight as a lightweight where I lost on the split decision. And that after that, I thought, right, I need to move up a weight. And that was when I moved up to light welterweight, which, so that weight, the weight difference is only five pounds, which doesn't, doesn't sound a lot, but when you're that close and that boiling down to that, to get to that weight, it's a big difference. Mm. And again, the message there is sometimes it's the little things in life that make the big difference. So don't brush over those little things that you're experiencing or the little things, the little, the, those little wins that you've gotten, they're, they're so valuable. Just acknowledge mm. them. The minor what, details, the small yeah, details. Yeah. And keep, keep getting them. Keep, look, those, uh, keep moving forward with them. So those, that, that weight category, five pounds heavier. So I got another shot at the world title. The fourth time of asking. Wembley Conference Center. So here we go. So, and it was really, I was, it was kind of like the last hurrah. How, how many times could I carry on going? <laughs> I wouldn't. Is it? Yeah. But then the, the, the doubt, you know, the self-doubt we sometimes have. And the, the doubt was there because I'd failed three times. I've been the British, the Commonwealth, the European champion. What, was it really possible for somebody like me to win a world title? Was it? Was it? That was, that was there for me as well. Yeah. So it's being, who'd you be in the face of that? The doubt that internal voice, the dialogue, that bit, that's the bit we've got overcome and put to one side to really go again. It takes courage because that's mm. there for us all. And that's, that's, and that's part of the, the winning process that we have to go through. So I step into the ring for the fourth time of asking, I'm boxing a guy called Newton Villarreal from Colombia. Now we met for the first time at the weigh-in. He didn't speak any English. I spoke no Spanish. So we looked at each other, we met each other, we had nothing to say, but we had a great conversation with our fists because that was what was <laughs> gonna that was what was gonna make the difference. So the bell started and I went at it. And I had, a, I had the dream start because in round number two, I hit him with a right hand, boom. I hit him, I connected so perfectly. He went over, he hit the canvas, he hit the deck, and I'm thinking, this is it. I've done it. 
I connect. There's no way he's going to get up from that. I hit him so perfectly. Bang. <laughs> and I thought, if he gets up from that, I'm going home, mate, because there's no way he's going to get up from that. And he, he got up, didn't he? <laughs> he got up. He got up. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. And uh, so we had a right battle. It went the full 12 rounds. So it went the distance. But then here's the thing. So as I come out for that 12th and final round, it was a close fight. And I felt I was ahead. So Sir Winston Churchill comes to mind upon reflection. As I, as I walked out for that 12th round, we touched gloves. We looked at each other in the eye. And Sir Winston Churchill, he once said, history will be kind to me for I intend to write it. What a quote. So wow. I came out in that, for that 12th and final round intending to write my history. That's the thing, guys. Who's going to write your history? Mm. Ain't no one else going to come and save you. You are yeah. it. It's me and him, one-on-one. -on -one. The bell goes. The trainers, they all step out of the ring. We step into the ring. We step forward and we go at it for three minutes. Those three minutes felt like eternity. I took a big punch around the back of my head. It's like I was in a haze. I was hanging on for dear life. It was like agony. But the bell went. The fight was over. The agony ceased. Again, I go to the set in the ring and I wait the decision. And I'm I can, I'm looking out into the crowd. I can see my mum. So my mum sat ringside for all of my fights. I can hear my sisters and the guys that have supported me from when I was a kid. I can see them. They're all sitting ringside. They're all looking at each other. I'm exhausted. And eventually I get to hear the words I've been waiting all my life to hear. And they go something like, and the new IBO light welterweight champion of the world, Billy Schwa. And that mm. was it. Boom. And it was a lifetime's, it was a lifetime's work in pursuit of a dream. So I shed blood, you wrote sweat, your and tears. History, man. Yeah, that's and that's it. And that here we are now talking about it 20 years later. It's still alive. It ain't, it ain't left me. That's, and I'm living off the back of that. I'm now leveraging, I'm leveraging that experience now. Not only that, your clients are vicariously living through your story also, because they, you're able to download this stuff to them. These experiences, these values, these, these stories, like this is what it's about, man. And it's, um, so we, they can live, yeah, like you say, they can live through it. So, so each and every one of us have a, has a story. Now, my, my story is my story. You just got to own your story. And don't think that one story is better than another because your story will resonate with the right person at the right time. And that's who you are. And it's who mm. you be is going to connect with your potential client. And that's what, that's what we're looking for. We're looking to get clients. So if you speak and, the right and the way. the right ones, yeah. Exactly. You don't want the wrong clients. And I like I don't I don't really attract those ones who are not really up for it. Not everyone, not everyone can enroll in my programs because it's not it's not appropriate for everyone. But the ones who get it, they're, they're, they're not really interested in what it is. They just want what I've what I'm offering. They yeah. want happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction. They want 10 out of 10. And if someone joins the program and he's a five or a six out of 10, I go, listen, mate, can you imagine what it's going to be like when you're an eight or nine or 10 consistently over time? every day what results you're going to go and cause for yourself in your life it's like you can have a 30 40 percent uplift every day now what are you going to do with that mm. that's exciting for people that is exciting
And that's Boom. what people are, that's what people are buying. That's what people want. They want that result. And then along the way, then we can really fine tune it and bespoke it to whatever it is that they want to achieve mm. ongoingly. And that's and that's the that's the exciting work that I do with people, getting them to be a ten out of ten. That's like wow. Well, oh, that's 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 it for me. That's the best well, game in it. town for me. That's it. And if I can cause that for another. I get it back. It just feeds right back to me as well. I get it for myself. I go, yeah, reaffirms. I'm a 10, yeah. And, yeah. I've, and I've been part of a, the journey for you to get a 10. And you've got to go and do the work. I can't give it to you. I could guide you. I'm a guide. I guide you. Mm. I'm here for you, right for you. And I'm fighting with you. I'm fighting alongside you. And I'm fighting for you. You up You're for it? You want man, it? Man. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm there for you. I'm, I'm up for it. Are you ready for it? I'm up for it. Let's go. I'm, I'm up for it. I might be up for it more than they are. That's, that's, that's the challenge <laughs> that's that is also part of what inspires people to do it you know because uh, i've got this thing about uh, and this is something i learned through my mentor again mark raymond Mankler, and it was uh, he believed in me more than i believed in myself at the time and i was able to borrow that belief from him Lovely, i was yeah. literally every time i spoke to the guy it was like I, yeah i didn't really believe at the time that i was it was possible for me this yeah. overweight, unhealthy, <laughs> van driving fucking loser to get on a fucking stage and pose in my pants for a wow. bodybuilding show. I never, I never thought that was possible, but Mark did. Mark right. believed it so much that through him, I was able to extract that belief. And therefore I did yeah. the work. I was so inspired by how much potential he saw in me and wow. how much he believed in me that I was able to do it. And you just got, all you did was follow the process, right? Follow, follow the process, process. do what do what he says because he's done it many times before he had been he 14 could... 14 times uh national bodybuilding there champion. we go so he's so... done it for others and himself many many times previously so you go all right so i trust him and you got a listening for him so if you if you're looking for a coach you got to have a certain type of listening for your coach a belief like a like an undying belief that they know what they're doing and they can do it for you. They can, they yeah. can cause you to cause yourself and they, that belief because they, they do believe that it's possible if you're willing to do the work because mm -hmm. they've done it before with many others. Yeah. And how Show do up, these got... coaches communicate that is through their story. Um, and so, I think it's, if there was a way that I could wrap this up, uh, mate, cause honestly, I mean, I could talk to you for, for days, man. I mean, we're definitely going to stay connected as well. Of course we've been, texting backward and forward and things over the past couple of weeks but if i could summarize this uh, podcast um into three different takeaways for people and this is just my takeaways that i've taken from it is uh from billy sharing his story and uh i think the first one is you gotta have a team around you and when i say a team around you i mean you've got to find the right people um Billy probably would have never been able to do what he's done if he hadn't had the right cornerman, the right cutman, the right dad. So there was certain people that he had around him that enabled him to be able to pursue his dreams and his goals. And I don't want to, you know, take away from the, because I know some people believe they're self-made and, and they say, no, I did do it all. You know, maybe that's ego talking because I believe everybody has a part to play in our story. So the first one for me is you've got to have a good team around you and you get to choose who that is. Don't for a fucking second think that you can't choose. Don't think for a second just because someone is your friend that they're going to stay your friend. 
if they're getting in the way of your goals and your dreams and your desires and they're dampening it, you've got to let them go. You've got to have the conversation with them. You've got to explain to them that this is important. You want to do a certain thing that you need to go and do. So you've got to have the right team. The second one is focus on what you want, not on what you don't. Billy said it. I said it. And many have said it before and many will say it after. (laughs) (laughs) Got to focus on what you want because what you focus on is what will come to you. So where and where focus goes energy flows and we hear this all the time in the coaching space and in the personal development space and the reason we hear it all the time is because it's true (laughs) is because we need to listen to this advice okay so focus on what you want not on what you don't if you're focusing on what you don't want you're going to get a whole lot of it and also just to add to that is don't focus on what you have either oh oh, if you you don't have yeah because if you if you ain't got what you don't if you ain't got what you want don't focus on that, what you have either. You've got to get out of your head and into the future. Absolutely. I mean, I can actually tell you a time when I've done that is um, when I used to do direct sales. So I've written over nearly half a million pound in direct sales experience. So yeah. Wow. Um, and part of that was, uh, I, I used to say to myself before I went into a house, like I never used to get into my own head about someone not buying. I used, to th- I used to say to myself, well, I don't have it already. So therefore it doesn't matter if I don't get it. Because <laughs> I don't fucking have it. <laughs> and it used to really help me out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that one. And then the third one is tell yourself a good story. At the end of the day, there's two stories we tell. One that we tell ourselves and one that we tell the world. And I think that it's really important that your internal dialogue is on point, especially when you've got something you want to achieve. And your internal dialogue is, 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 is the story you tell yourself. If you tell yourself a, a, a terrible, horrible story of depression and anxiety and, you know, fear and judgment and shame, and you're going to get those things. It's going to manifest itself in your life in some way, shape or form. But if you tell yourself a good story, because you get to write it, like he said, if you're going to tell yourself a story, you might as well make it a good one. So that is what you need to do. They're my takeaways from this podcast. A good can team, I just, can I focusing just add, on what you want and telling a good fucking story. And I want to add to that last one there, the story that you have about yourself. If you've got a, not a very inspiring, empowering story, that's great also. Embrace the, the stuff that you've had to suffer through because that's the real value. They're those if you've, if you've had a past that you're not proud of, that, that's great value for that. That's amazing. So then it's turning mm-hmm. that story into a leveraging that past into the new story because that's yeah. what people are going to get real value from. So if and, you've had a tough time, say, embrace it. Yeah, and I always say to people, if you don't feel like you do have a story, you've, what you've got to remember is there's hundreds of thousands of people that feel the same way. So therefore, just by sharing your story of not really having a story, maybe <laughs> the thing that resonates with a lot of people that also feel the same way. So Absolutely. You got it. You nailed it there. That's so true. A hundred percent. For sure. For sure. Your story matters and it's time you tell it. Um, Billy, mate. I've really thoroughly enjoyed this podcast, man. Where can people find you? I know you've got a book. I know you give away a couple free chapters. Fill these people in. Where can they come and get it? Thank you. Yes. So Billy Schwer, you can find me anywhere. I'm I'm on LinkedIn. My main business is done via through LinkedIn, really. But I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, but I don't really use that as much. But Billy Schwer, go to billyschwer.com. Pick up the first two chapters of my book. 
and uh, just get in contact and let's have a conversation. If you want to continue this conversation, it's all good stuff. Yeah, I and will link the book in the show notes as well, man. So make sure you guys go click that. This episode will be dropping inside the Fit Story community. If you are not yet inside the Fit Story community, I will also link that into the show notes. Come find yourself in there. Come find us in there because Billy is also in there. Um, and bro, yes. really appreciate your time today, man. I uh, thank you, and I want a rematch. I want a rematch. I want to go again. I want another <laughs> shot at the title. Let's get it on. <laughs> well, what I really love about doing that is our stories are ever evolving, right? Yeah. So the Billy that you are today is going to be infinitely different to the Billy you are in a year's time or six months' time, especially because you've got such a desire to to develop your to develop yourself and to to grow. So, um, bro, I'm all down for that, and uh, let's stay connected, man. Thank you very much. And keep up the great work that you're doing out there in the world. We love you. Really appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Peace. Thank you.